Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, it's the week after Thanksgiving, so there is absolutely nothing to talk about with ASU or with college football in general. So it's probably going to be a light Boy, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last time we talked, um, Todd Graham was still the coach. We had just beaten Arizona, and that was only what, five days ago, Um, right about right now, exactly five days, I think right around this time of day, a lot has happened in that time frame, and uh, we kind of knew that might happen, I think, on that Saturday night. Uh, Some things happened that we would have expected, and then some others maybe not so much. So let's talk about just what's unfolded. So we beat Arizona 42-30, to Khalil Tate getting injured, fixes – the game for ASU because mm-hmm. apparently they figured out how to tackle a running quarterback most of the time when it was Brandon Dawkins. Yeah. Not all the yeah. time, but most of the time. Yeah, uh, all but well, one big play, obviously. But yeah, better. Um, definitely a marked improvement from a season ago. And then yeah. you and I talked about how, well, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens and there hadn't been any reports. And then Woke up the next morning and saw that at 8 a.m., Todd Graham was expected to be at Ray Anderson's office instead of on a recruiting yep. visit. And that, as you, I believe, uh, astutely put, is not a good sign. He <laughs> called into work at 8 a.m. on a Sunday. No, no, no. I mean, I, I think we could read the tea leaves for a couple of weeks. I mean, it was really after that UCLA loss um, that I think, you know, momentum started to shift that direction. And we talked about it that week. Um, the two wins after that didn't change that momentum. And certainly Ray Anderson, no commenting on the night of the game, um, kind of told me, you know, he's going to let him enjoy the moment of winning this game. And I think that's the right thing to do. Um, there was no reason to do an Arkansas and fire him the minute he walked into the locker room. Um, but then it was time to move on and, and he, you know, didn't waste much time in moving on. Were you surprised at the media response and the immediate reaction to the firing of Graham uh, from the the social media and then the defensive, I found, Phoenix media saying, well, we didn't push him out the door. And, and I actually agree with them. Right. They, they, they didn't push him out the door. They merely they were reporting not. that it, you no, know, it no, seemed I, that I Ray never... Anderson had lost interest in keeping Todd Graham. Yes, yes. And we're going to talk about what Ray Anderson said and read into some some of those comments that I think tell us that um, and maybe had lost interest in keeping Todd Graham for about a year, maybe more. Um, no, it was not a media creation that what has, this has been an interesting, you know, tide here. Um, all these people who are very active on social media and we should have kept Todd Graham. And this is a disgrace that we got rid of Todd Graham. Did they feel that way at halftime of the Arizona game? I'd like to know. Um, I'd also like to know, were they in the stands for the second half of the USC game? Were they in the stands at all? And if they were, did they bolt in the second quarter? Because a lot of people did. Um, and, and so, you know, it's easy to be swept up in a fervor about how great Todd Graham was because we beat Arizona. It's a nice little feel-good moment. But the bottom line is it's a half of football against a 7-5 and five team with their starting quarterback injured. So let's not overstate it. It, it was great to win, better than losing. But um, we were getting outplayed in that game. And at halftime, I think, you know, the general thought, my thought, was goodbye, you know, see you later. This is more of the same. We turned it around in that game and won. That's awesome. But that's not a reason to change the direction the program should go. 
Well, one of the points that you've brought up and, and that obviously other people have raised, and, you know, Jeff Metcalf did it on their podcast. It, where, where do you want the program to be going moving forward? Right. And right. hand in hand with that, don't make a decision, a rash decision one way or the other on the outcome of a game. No. You know, the famous Dirk no. Cutter quote, don't say it's enough to beat Arizona. It's not, and it shouldn't be. It's not. It's not. No, I mean, Todd Graham finished with the same record against Arizona that Dirk Cutter had, 4-2. He finished with a win over Arizona, and he got fired the next day. Uh, Dirk technically was told he was fired before that, but officially he was fired the next day. Um, so their tenures were somewhat similar. And no, it's not enough to beat Arizona. Um much like Dirk, Todd Graham had an embarrassing loss to a really bad Arizona team. Dirk's came in his you know, fourth year. Graham's came in his fifth year. But both of them probably contributed to that loss you know, at that end of his job. Um, and, you know, the seeds were sown last year but based on what Ray Anderson said. that um, We talked all year that, boy, he was kind of lucky to survive a loss like that. Well, Ray Anderson kind of emphasized that in his comments when he said that, you know, and uh, so, yeah, he was lucky to survive it, but I think the the groundwork was laid with that loss. Well, it's one of those things where I'm not sure in retrospect, he did survive it. It's like, um, no, the, those old time boxers who you would hear about, they, you know, they'd get beat up the fight before. And then yeah. on a sort of a glancing blow in the next flight, they'd yeah. you know they'd be out, and that's the end of their career and life. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. what happened to Graham here. He he took such a beating. The team took such a beating in the 2016 season that yeah, short of I think making the conference title game, he wasn't going to be back for 2018. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Haller and Metcalf on their their podcast they did Sunday. I listened to it Monday, and you know Haller they both kind of made the point like well. Listening to what Ray Anderson said, what could Todd Graham have done to save his job? And neither of them said this, but I think the answer is very obvious. He could have won more games. Um, you know, he could have won nine or ten games. I mean, I, I told you in my car on the way home Saturday night, the decision is tough because if we had won four games, the decision would have been really easy to get rid of him. And if we'd won nine or ten, the decision would have been really easy to keep him. He didn't do that. Now, you can say his team overachieved getting to seven and five. They did. But – that speaks on the general quality of the program that seven and five is considered overachieving. And I think that's what Ray Anderson was getting at in some of his comments that we shouldn't be happy with seven and five. I mean, we can, we can say on its own merits this season, seven and five, not so bad, but if that's the goal, then we need a new goal. And I think that's what he's trying to set. Well, and this goes to the, the point of who do we think we are? And if you would have asked, you know, a national reporter, well, we're a football school, but we're not a very good football school. And we're, you know, we're a 30 year storm type of football school. We have, you know, every 30 years or so, we have a special kind of team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And otherwise we're, you know, run of the mill. And as a fan now, I admit I've heard this before, but I liked hearing Ray Anderson say, look, I expect this team to finish in the top 15 in the country. Me I too. expect this Me team too. to finish now in the you're... top three in the conference. Now, this year they did, so that might have been a poor choice of uh, yeah. example. Well, they, they did and they did. I mean, they, they finished, finished you know, the second in the, the south. south. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were the, you know, by overall record, they were the, what, fifth or sixth best team in the conference. Um, so middle of the, middle the conference, you know, and, and, and yeah, based on expectations – that's good, but 
your expectations should be higher. And why were we in the situation of people picking us to finish fifth and, and thinking we had no chance to get to a bowl game? Like that's, that's the problem. And, and I think that's the long view that Ray Anderson took that, um, you know, over the last three years, we were 18 and 18. And if you count the one bowl game, we lost 18 and 19. I mean, that is the definition of average. Um, and that's just not good enough. And so I don't have any problem with what he said. Um, but you're right. We've heard it before. You know, Haller has, has made this point in writing and in, um, you know, listening to him that, you know, the media and fans have sat there before and they've heard coaches and athletic directors say, we think we can push ASU to a whole new level and it hasn't happened. That doesn't mean you should stop trying. You know, I mean, I, I agree. Yes, past people have not delivered on this and maybe Ray Anderson won't either. If you stop trying, what's the point? I mean, once you get to the point where you're just saying, okay, yeah, seven wins, that's decent, you become, you know, Kentucky and and uh, Duke. And those are programs that have great basketball programs. They can live with seven wins and feel good about it. ASU's not in that position. Uh, so, no, yet. that's not enough. You know? Yet. Because <laughs> uh, the basketball yeah, program. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, hopefully. Uh, that's a different, you know, thing. But yeah, I mean, that'd be great if we got to that level in basketball. But we're far, far from it, and and so we can't, you know, we're not, we're not a Vanderbilt, we're not a, uh, you know, a, a Oregon State. Even I mean, like we should not be that. We should not be content being that. And just because you have been that for a while doesn't mean you should just throw up your hands and say that's as good as it gets. No, I, I mean, I don't think um, anybody should feel that way. And this, this rallying of support for Todd Graham. I, I don't have any bone to pick with Todd Graham. I think he did a, a fairly good job in his time here. First three years were really solid. He did a lot of good things as far as off the field. But the bottom line is his teams were average the last three years. If you decide that that's not good enough, I'm, I'm with you on that because it's not. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, when you talk about Todd Graham and his tenure overall, it, you know, the postmortem for me is, he took a program that was effectively in shambles under Erickson, yeah. b- both on the field, but more importantly, off the field. Uh, uh, yes. a, a complete lack of discipline, uh, a complete drift away. And he did a, a Herb Sendek-like job, not personality-wise, but he, did. he cleaned up the program. He got us pointed in a positive direction, and then he sort of plateaued there. And he did. He there's did. a there's and, a reason why you know, moved on from Herb Sundek. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we talked about that early in the season that the Graham tenure and the Herb Sundek tenure had some similar feelings, and they kind of end in a similar way. Um, uh, you know that that they did plateau, that they did come in, and they had rebuilding to do. Now Graham didn't have per, you know Graham had decent personnel to work with right off the bat. The cupboard wasn't bare like it was for Herb Sundek. Um, but he did have a lot of work to do on just the feel of the program, the attitude, the culture. That's a big word now when you have coaching changes, culture. And Graham had to do a lot of work on that, and he did. Give him a lot of credit. He, he changed it, and things got better quickly. And then they plateaued. That's a great word for it. They didn't bottom, but they just kind of leveled off, and I don't know that he had the ability to get us any higher than where we were. Um, and so that's okay, you know, that you – Again, I don't, I don't look back at the Todd Graham hire and say, oh, it was a mistake. No, it, it was a good hire, and he had some success, and it was time to move on. Same way I feel about Herb Sendek. Herb Sendek hire wasn't a mistake. It just was time to move on. 
Yeah, well, and as going back to Graham, far from a bad hire, he the discipline yeah. he instilled the first few years, dropping us from worst in the country in penalties to never being outside of the top 50 right. and, you know, having games where you're stunned if we commit three penalties and a half, you know, right. that's huge. Right. That is a huge yeah. thing that he was able to do. And yeah. And, and, you know, did instill a, a little bit more sense of pride in the program. I mean, the, the program was at a low point when Dennis Erickson got hired, you know, Vontez Burfick was kind of the symbol of everything. A lot of talent, well, some talent and not enough production. And, you know, Vontez left at the same time, and it was, it was you know, symbolic. Um, and, you know, Graham started a new era quickly, brought in some new guys right away, two co-kids that had a big impact, and things turned around pretty quick. I mean, he won eight games, and then he won 10 and 10 in the next two years, and things were rolling, and he just couldn't keep them rolling. And, again, you know, I don't, I don't say he was a failure. He wasn't. It was just time to move on. And... We are moving on. Um, yeah. There were some whispers about Herm Edwards and the fact that he had a relationship with uh, Ray Anderson. Ray Anderson was his agent at one time before Ray Anderson went and worked yeah. in the NFL front office. Um, there was rumblings that came from the whispers. Then there was momentum. Then there was a very strange, uh, basically, media car wash that Herm Edwards went on in the Valley to, yeah. to talk about, you know, and actively campaign for the job in a way that made it seem like it was already a done deal. And yeah. then it turned out that it was a done deal. Well, we think. Um, uh, you know, one word of caution, and I, I texted you about it yesterday, um, six years ago when we were you know, in this coaching search thing, it was all but a done deal between June Jones and ASU. And we had the same reactions back then. Oh my God, June Jones, what are you doing? You know, oh my God. Well, what was his record at ASU? It was zero and zero because he didn't actually get the job. So I'm going to wait until things are officially official um, to, you know, really react to it because it's just, it is so bizarre uh, that there's just this part of me that thinks this really isn't going to happen this way. And we're going to look back and think, you know, it's going to be like when Andy Reid was going to be the Cardinals coach. That didn't happen either. Um, you know, we have this a lot in the coaching world now. It's all done. Well, it never gets to the done. So I'll see. But it's just, yeah, no doubt. It's been very bizarre. Probably if he does get the job, one of the most bizarre hiring processes you've ever seen to see a candidate be on TV and radio talking about it as he's going through the process is really strange. I am not going to be as hesitant to react as you. I am going to sound my personal alarm about this hire. He hasn't coached a real game in eight years. He hasn't the coached... The Under Armour All-American game doesn't do it for you? It's an exhibition game. Now, look, I, I'm, I'm going, funny, I'm going well, no, 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 but I'll take the positive spin on that. He's been around high school yeah. players and coaches. He, yeah. Herm Edwards is a known commodity. Um, yeah. But he's been out of, out of the game for eight years. It's, it's the same yeah. idea of asking John Gruden to come back or asking Jeff Van Gundy to yeah. come back. 
at a certain point, it's it's not the same anymore. And no, he, no, and and certainly being out of college for almost thirty years. I mean, the last time he coached in in the college ranks was nineteen eighty nine. Um, so we'd be you know twenty eight seasons if he is the coach in twenty eighteen um, between his you know college coaching. I mean, it, it, it's it's strange. There, there's no better way to say it. It's unconventional. It's very much unconventional. Um, it is the type of hire that gets an AD fired if it doesn't work out. And, yeah. and yet, I'm going to just say this. Maybe we need unconventional. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not overly optimistic about this. I don't want to say like, oh, yeah, this is going to work out great. I just am kind of more of the like, Let, let's see. If indeed he is the guy, and again, I'm not yet completely 100% so that he's going to be, but if he is... Maybe unconventional is what we need. We tried the conventional route, various conventional routes. And as we just got through talking about, we haven't been able to push over the hill. Is this the guy to do it? I have no idea. But who knows? You know, I'll, I'll be hoping that he is. So I've been trying in the four days that this rumor yeah. has gained momentum to find an analogy that is a positive analogy and that I can, you know, sort of hang my hat on. Pete Carroll doesn't work. He wasn't out of football yeah, this no. long, and he was more he was successful younger. at the NFL level. Um, yes, he was, and he, he was younger. I mean, Pete Carroll is, is only, I think, maybe two or three years older than Herm Edwards now. So when he got the USC job, he was in his early 50s. So it's, yeah, it's completely different. The next name that I went to, which was mostly – on a lark was Howard Schnellenberger going to Florida Atlantic. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, yeah. And you know what? He was actually out of the game less time than Herm Edwards was. Was he really? He was had he? coached yeah. at Oklahoma in 1995 for one year, and it was at Florida Atlantic yeah. in 2001. So even, wow. even okay. that, which was considered a crazy move at the time for yeah. how long he'd been out of the game and how the game must have passed him by, he was actually in the game as a coach yeah. more recently when yeah. he was hired there than Herm Edwards is now. Um, yeah, and you you take into account he was starting that program. I mean that that program didn't exist. They needed some momentum, uh, you know, to start a program in the you know Florida area where there's a lot of good football, and he was a name brand in Florida because of what he did at Miami. So yeah, uh, I mean there's some comparison there, but a little bit different, obviously. Yeah. So I struggle still. If you have one. And there isn't one. If you have there one, tweet it to me. If you, if, if you can <laughs> yeah. come up with one that makes sense to you, tell me, please, because I can't do it. I, I've yeah, racked my I mean, brain. I don't think there is one. I, what I have thought more so is, is not necessarily for a good analogy to this because I don't know that there is one. I don't really know that there is a comparable scenario um, that makes sense here. But more so just on the fact of, you know, coaching hires that have been sort of, um, you know, derided when they were made and those that have well. And, and also some coaching hires that were supposed to be home runs. This guy's going to be great. That didn't work out. And Pete Carroll certainly comes to my USC. Uh, when they hired Pete Carroll, the reaction was, oh, my God, Pete Carroll? Yeah, good luck. Well, he won two national titles and almost a third. Um, Dabo Sweeney, you know, when Dabo Sweeney got the full-time job at Clemson, it was, who is this guy? 
been a wide receiver coach, yeah, that's going to work out great for you. He's got a national title, almost a second, could play for a third, uh, or, a, or a second this year, I should say. Um, you know, so there's, there's a few that, that come to mind. No, those are the best case scenarios. I realize that, but those are ones that general reaction was, yeah, that's going to go great for you. Well, it did. And then look at, at, you know, Rich Rodriguez, for example, going to Michigan when they got him, man, that was a huge home run. Wow. This is going to be great for them. He got fired three years later. Um, Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame. Oh my God. What a coup. It's going to, everything's going to be great. And he got fired five years later. So, oh, sometimes the general reaction in response to a hire doesn't match what ends up happening. That's true. Um, If they do go with Herm Edwards, I've seen an interesting mix of Twitter reaction. Former players of his have been very vocal that he's going to be good. Former teammates of his in the NFL have said, you know, no one knows football like him. Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah. and I think those things are good signs, but, you know, the point that is not lost on me is the list you gave winning the locker room did not, or uh, winning the media room did not win over the locker room and the team. No, this one is no, not going right. to This one is not going to win the media room if they hire Herm Edwards. Um, not initially. Now he is a personality and he will, I do believe uh, the initial reaction by fans, fans will be, oh, God, he will charm the media. He will absolutely charm the media. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a good coach, but he'll he'll go up there with his witty things and his, his old man charm, and much like Bruce Arians does in this town, he'll have them eating out of the palm of his hand by the time that first press conference is done. I mean, maybe, but then what? That, you know. Now, that doesn't mean he's a good coach. <laughs> It does not. No, I mean, don't don't misunderstand. Um, he will he will have them feeling really, you know, happy when it's all said and done because he'll make some jokes and he'll he'll make some wisecracks and they're like, oh, this guy he's got some charm to him. Doesn't mean he can coach, but you know, yeah. Then what? Oh, that's a great question, and nobody knows the answer to that. I mean, I, you know, don't don't mistake my reaction for me saying. I think this is a great hire because I don't. I mean, if you were, if, if, you know, he's not going to, but if Ray Anderson to me and say, Matt, alum, what do you think? Should I do this? I'd say, no, don't do it. Um, but my reaction is, is more of like, you know, I want this you to do well. I've said this to you about several sports, several coaches over the decades that we've been friends and followed ASU. And so when the guy is the coach, I'm going to hope he does well. I'm not going to line up against him before he's ever coached a game and and then root for his failure. And I feel like a lot of people, not you, but a lot of people are trending in that direction. They're going to come right out and they're going to say, this guy's a failure, and they're going to be rooting for that so that they can say, I told you so. That's not how I do it. I mean, I definitely think there is something to that. The Twitterverse is vocal and anti-Herm yes. Edwards. And well, and, and the and the Twitterverse loves to be anti just about everything. I mean, that's that's what that's what social media almost exists for for people to be vocally anti something. Um, and and this is certainly falling right into their laps. I mean, if people want to be upset, I would also say this. This is something I thought about this morning. Who? What candidate was going to 
I mean, okay, there were certainly more conventional candidates, Kevin Sumlin, you know, some of the names. They were all going to come with some sort of question mark. Nobody we were going to get. We weren't getting Aben. We weren't getting Urban Meyer. We weren't getting Jimbo Fisher or Dabo Sweeney. So we weren't getting somebody who you could say, well, you know, that guy won a national championship. I feel great. No, every candidate was going to come with some type of baggage. Either he hadn't been a coach for, he had failed at his previous job, he had been in the NFL. Like, you know, everyone was going to come with, well, I don't know if this is going to work out because, and a logical reason to say it might not work out. Yeah. I, I just wish. I mean, I just wish we got Saban. I mean, that would just be better for me. I mean, yeah, but that ain't gonna happen. I mean, you know, trust me. I, you know, I don't like him, but sure, yeah, if we could, you know, get those type of guys right now, but we can't. That's one of those where know who you are. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Well, we, are, you know, we are going to get somebody with question marks. Um, whether it, like I said, you know, if we had gotten pep hamilton or terrell austin well it would have been no they've never been a college head coach you know can they are they up to the job if we'd gotten kevin sumlin well god he failed the texas a&m what makes you think he's going to do better here logical you know arguments if you want to make them neither one is is one i can say oh that's ridiculous to say so while this one is certainly unconventional there wasn't a hire that was such a home run that everybody was going to say Man, that is great. Uh, every every potential hire had a question mark attached to it. That's true. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that there was a, you know, a slam dunk lock. Uh, you know, the one name that I've heard, sort of bandied around that, you know, oh, but he left the program under bad pretenses, mm-hmm. is Norvell, and that I think would Norvell. have been a very exciting hire a guy who's still young who's got ties to the program who knows how to recruit the area but yeah yeah but i do think there would have been by some now i don't know that norvell and todd graham are as close as they're made out be uh but by some there would have been well why are you going to get a guy who's a todd graham disciple didn't you fire todd graham and yeah i mean a legit argument to be made there wanted to change now, I feel like we should address the comment that Ray Anderson made about keeping the coordinators. What did yeah. you think of that? Before I give my thought, what, what was your reaction to that, I guess? I think that it is a money decision. That, that was my reaction is, well, we already have to pay a buyout, and whether it's $12 million or $8 million with yeah. the rest over time or, or however it is um, – it is a financially easier pill to swallow if we're not also having to pay a buyout to, you know, a half a dozen coordinators and coaches. So yeah, that was my initial yeah. reaction. My second thought on it is what's the point of doing that unless you already have a head coach who you know will bring them in, yeah. which makes yeah. the Herm Edwards thing make a lot of sense because – it my does. my assumption at the time, at the time, was that mm-hmm. Kevin Sumlin was going to yeah. be the guy, and Kevin Sumlin has a it big coaching tree and a lot of people yes. at a West Coast, Texas, wherever. It would have been hard for me to fathom he'd agree to keep Billy Napier, yeah. no matter how good Billy Napier was, and, and certainly right. on the defensive side of the ball to keep Phil Bennett, because Bennett, right. you know, Stop the big plays, but it wasn't like other than the Washington game, we were some lockdown defense. Right. Um, right. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I had the same reaction 
you know, because Sumlin was kind of the candidate of the day when that press conference was, was held. And it did sort of, I mean, when you read that, you thought, well, if that is really now, you know, Haller kind of quickly tweeted out, like, hey, I, I think that was more of a suggestion than a demand. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but if that was a demand, well, you're not getting an established college head coach because someone or anybody is going to have coaches that they have worked with before trust and like that they're going to want to bring in. So if you're telling your candidates, hey, I've got your staff already, candidates are going to say, well, then uh, talk to you later. But if you're uh, you hiring, know, they a, should. if you're hiring a guy who hasn't coached in eight years, um, right. then it's a lot easier and to hasn't say coached in college at all. <laughs> yeah, here yeah, are I mean, guys. That is, it does make. I mean, it does. You can connect those dots, and it, it makes sense. I don't want to say it makes sense in the sense that I agree with it, but it does make sense to say, well, okay, I guess you know you're going to bring him in to kind of be the, you know, as, as it's been portrayed, the CEO type, and let the you know, coordinators, BDXs, and O's guys. Okay, uh, to me, my initial reaction when I read it was, boy, Ray Anderson must not have liked Todd Graham. And maybe I'm reading too much soap opera into it, but if you if you say, you know, I'm getting rid of you, but I like everything you brought in. And the culture. <laughs> that and the culture you've instilled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it just it wasn't hard for me to connect A to B and B to C and C that – uh, I don't think Ray Anderson really liked Tyram, and I think he had decided to move on from Todd Graham regardless of – now, had they gone 10-2 and two this year, he probably wouldn't have been able to. But I just – you know, that that statement and the effusive praise of Billy Napier, which I'm not I'm not against. I think it might be a little much, but he was a good coach. He did well. Um, was just like, you know, it, it's – it reminded me, I thought of this, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, the movie Step Brothers when uh, Rob Riggle tells Will Ferrell, you know, you're really doing a great job, but there's just something about your face I can't stand. That <laughs> that I felt like was Rayson and, and Todd Graham. who was like, you know, well, you know, you did an okay job, but change your face before I change it for you. Yeah, well, and I think that there's more evidence of that, you know, the reporting from Haller and Metcalf that Anderson had told Todd Graham, hey, tone down the rhetoric. And then yes. fires him and immediately says, look, we need to be a top 15 team. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it was hard for me to dispute that when that point, I mean, I read that a couple different places. and Yeah, you know, I mean, he did. I said that I didn't have a problem with Todd Graham's rhetoric. I didn't. I don't have a problem with Ray Anderson's. I, I, like I said earlier, I feel like that should be our goal. I, oh, no. My, I really reject this. <laughs> no, I, and I'm not saying yeah. you're arguing, but a lot of, I mean, I'm listening. It was on PTI today. You know, that's the. The good and the bad of this Herm Edwards news is that it's gotten national. It was on PTI. It was on highly questionable. And, you know, Kornheiser's going off about, you know, how ridiculous the standards that Ray Anderson set. Like, I don't think they're ridiculous. That should be our goal. I mean, you know, it's easy for Tony Kornheiser. And I like Tony Kornheiser, but he doesn't watch or care about Pac-12 football. Probably the last Pac-12 game he's watched was, you know, 25 years ago. Um that should be our goal. And if you're not on board with that, then get the hell out. I mean, yeah. I, that's what Ray Anderson basically said, and I agree with him. Well, and, the, and I agree with that. The point is not – my problem is not with the rhetoric. It's not meeting it. And, and no, Todd Graham – when and, Todd Graham and, had back-to-back 10-win seasons, I loved the talk. Yes. But when we, oh, yeah. you know, talk it up when we're 5-7, and seven, you know. It sets you up for ridicule. It does, you know. 
Um, and I said that, you know, and I even kind of thought, we talked about it before last year, I believe, that Graham needed to, to dial it back a little, a little. Not stop setting goals, but maybe dial back the public proclamations of how, I mean, what Graham did that probably bothered me more than saying, hey, our goal is to win championship, it should be, is the, this is the best team I've ever had. This is the best practice we've ever had. This is, the, you know, it became laughable. And, and it became, you know, the stuff of folly, you know. And, and so he did a good job of dialing that back the last couple of years. Um, and, and that was important, I think. I mean, it didn't ultimately save his job. But, you know, it got to be a little much. I mean, we talked about that a couple of years ago, how every practice was the best practice he's ever seen. Well, that, you know, come on. You're stretching the limits of, you know, believability when you're always doing that. Absolutely. He... He set goals that I think are the right goals for the program. Yeah. And he laid it out in a way that I do think, you know, it's not blowing smoke when Ray Anderson said, the culture here is fine. We're not, we're not needing yes. a culture change. We're needing a wins change. Um, we're needing a talent fusion. Quite honestly, I think that's the biggest thing that held Todd Graham back. Why did we go... 10 wins, 10 wins to 18 over three years because the talent dropped off. Uh, we talked about that over the course of the year and we're needing, I mean, this is one thing, you know, you know, the Ray Anderson comment about, we can't have years where we only have one player invited to the combine. And that's a kicker, um, a little yes. bit of a shot below the belt, but an accurate shot. I mean, that's not good. Like it's not good that the only two players that we put in the NFL from last year's team are kicker and punter. That's not good. Um, you know, and, and you need better talent. And that's, I guess, if he does go with Herm Edwards, that's what he thinks he can get. Because you're right, the culture doesn't, doesn't need an overhaul. This is not a rebuild. This is not Bobby Hurley. This is not Herb Sendak. This is not even Todd Graham. The, coach, the next coach should be coming in here prepared to win and win quickly. Now, I'm not saying he's going to win a national championship in 2018, but I don't have stomach for a rebuild. This is an okay program that needs a a push forward, that next coach should be prepared to do that. I mean, Ray Anderson has set out the bar that we are going to win and win big. So don't give me four and eight next year and then tell me, well, we're building things. No, 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 no. That's not good enough. Did Ray Anderson set this next coach up, Herm Edwards or whoever, to fail? If, if this team doesn't win Possibly. eight games next year, will it be like the one year Ray Rhodes was the Packers head coach and everyone's just going to be screaming bloody murder that he needs to go? It's, it's possible. I mean, as I, you know, I've said that earlier when we were talking, it is the type of hire, if he does go with Herm Edwards, and certainly the rhetoric is the type of stuff that gets you fired and gets you made fun of and gets people saying, what was that guy thinking when he said that? And it's very possible that in two, three, four years, we'll be talking about, boy, Ray Anderson shouldn't have said those things, and he certainly shouldn't have hired Herm Edwards. What a disaster. I mean, it's possible. It's, it's in play, and it's not even that crazy to suggest. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he might, he certainly set the bar very high. Um, and, and, you know, Ray Anderson brought in Tracy Smith and I know baseball doesn't get the headlines that basketball and football do, but we talked about it a little bit. That was a program that didn't need an overhaul. They were good. They made the tournament. weren't getting past the first, you know, weekend of the tournament, but they were making the tournament and he brought in Tracy Smith and in year three, they went anywhere close to making the tournament, and we heard Ray Anderson saying, well, we're building something. Well, I don't want to hear that about football. 
Like you, you got rid of a coach who had us as decent. So you better bring a coach who gets us better than decent. Don't give me a five-year rebuild. I don't have the patience for it. I don't think anybody does. So let me ask you this question. Do you think that Ray Anderson will be given the opportunity to hire another big program coach? If Bobby Hurley leaves um, or if Tracy Smith yeah. has a bad year, will will Ray Anderson be in place to make that change? Well, I think Ray Anderson will be in place to hire a new baseball coach because if I had to guess, I'd say we'll be hiring a new baseball coach this year after this season. I could be wrong, but I feel like, you know, yeah, that's going to come soon. And Ray Anderson's legacy, if, if you want to use that word, ASU, will probably come down to Bobby Hurley and whoever this football coach is. Bobby Hurley, right now, that feels great. Uh, but we'll see. You know, again, I don't want to render a complete verdict on Bobby Hurley, but it feels like that was a great move so far. This football coach, I know. Um, you know, so I think if he'll be able to hire another baseball coach, yeah, I'd say so. But will he be able to hire another football coach? I think the only way that happens is if, let's say, let's say Herm Edwards is the hire and things go really great for two or three years and then Herm decides, you know, I'm going to hang it up. Ray, pick my successor. Go for it. And then everybody will say, okay, you know what, boy, we doubted you the last time. Boy, things worked out great when you hired Herm Edwards. Go for it. Hire somebody else. You're awesome. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm so, with you on that as a way that that could happen. You know, but if, if Herm Edwards, especially if it is Herm Edwards, let's be honest, because um, it reeks of cronyism. I mean, it, it does. It's, you know, it's almost like I'm bringing an old friend to coach this football program. Um, and if it doesn't work out, if it is the spectacular failure that many on social media believe it to be, then Ray Anderson will pay the price. And he should. I mean, he is putting his reputation here on the line and, and you know he's probably going to do that regardless but certainly an outside the box hire like this really does that I want to shift to the other coach that you mentioned in, in the legacy ASU basketball under Bobby Hurley has shown significant improvement in terms mm -hmm. of productivity on the court and also recruiting. I mean, the, the level of talent yeah. he's recruited is consistently better than every non-James Harden Herb class and yes. potentially can rival Harden, at least in terms of the expectations coming in with this next class with Dort mm -hmm. and uh, Valtman. But yeah. it's, to me, now a question of, can they play with expectations? Football could not. Can right. basketball play with expectations? You know, you have a coach who's been there before, who's done it at this level, as a when he was a player. But you don't have a player on this team who played significant minutes on a very good college basketball team before. Yeah, yeah, it, it will be interesting. I mean, that that is a an interesting question about this now i mean now you've you know you've spent the last week by the time they play again it'll be over a week with people telling you how great you are you're in the top 25 and you got a big ovation at the football game and i'm sure when they're walking around campus you know people are recognizing them and saying boy you guys are really playing great that's different um you know that hasn't happened i mean hurley i think made a joke about that you know i read that i think in howler's story that 
you know, people are actually coming up to him now and talking to him rather than just avoiding him or ignoring him. Uh, you know, like that's what happens when you have success. People want to be a part of it. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle success because that's the next step. You've, you've gotten some, you know, pats on the back, and now can you go out there and continue to play with that same edge? I'm very curious to see what happens because you've got a couple games you expect to win before Kansas. These are the yes. kinds of games, though, in college where you look ahead because Kansas is number two in the country. Sure. You, know, you have these two games at home against you know, middling to bottom feeding competition. It, this is the one that you can't drop. If you're if you are a legitimate tournament team, I know you just rolled Xavier. You can't yeah. drop either of these games before Kansas. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, um, you know, you have to you have to keep it up. Um, and and yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, November success is great, but it only matters if you continue to have success in December, January, February, and March. Uh, you know, you can't. You can't, you know, go in the tank now and say, well, you know, God, we went 6-0, and but we finished uh, 14-17. and That doesn't get it done, you know. So, yeah, you, you have to keep it up, and you've got some winnable games in December. I mean, aside from the Kansas game, every game looks winnable. You know, Vane's good, um, but that's at home. St. John's is better, but, you know, we, we've had a better start than them, and the other games are against, you know, small conference teams. So, you know, yeah, is it is it crazy to say that this team should potentially be, you know, 12 and 1 going into conference play? No. I don't I don't think so. Uh, you know, 11 and 2 I suppose would be a disaster depending on where that other loss is. But, you know, given they've beaten so far, especially what they did last weekend, why not? You know, I mean, you got piling up wins. Yeah. So, this coming weekend besides an ASU basketball game, there is the or uh, the NCAA championships uh, of all of the conferences in football kicking off Friday yes. with Stanford USC, where they are tarping off the upper deck at Levi Stadium Ugh. because nobody That's wants rough. to go. And these are Isn't USC I mean, is the crown jewel of Pac-12 football, and they cannot and sell out right this. there in their backyard. I mean, you can't you can't get a better matchup as far as you know uh, fan bases and and proximity to the site. You know, you're not talking about somebody coming from Seattle or Pullman or Arizona, Tempe or Tucson. Like, I mean, it's not that hard to get there from L.A. and certainly from Stanford. It's it's right, you know, God, it's a it's a 10 minute, you know, train ride. I, I did that when I went to the Super Bowl. I went past Stanford and that was almost all the way to the stadium. So, God, that's kind of sad, isn't it? It's embarrassing. Um... It really is. It really. And it goes to show why. Honestly, I mean, as, as people who like the Pac-12, this is why people don't respect the Pac-12. Because do you think you'd see that at the, at, you know, SEC title game? Not a chance. No, of course not. Of course not. And and that would be true regardless of who's there. Same with the ACC. Who's there? I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no no way. You know, yeah, I mean, Alabama's not there this year. Auburn fans are going to travel in mass. Georgia fans are going to pack that place. My God, they're going to be, you know. That's right there. You know, that's I mean, be that's a, actually a rocking environment. That's actually a pretty apt comparison. You've got a team who's playing in their yes. backyard and another team whose fan base is super passionate. That yeah. stadium is going to be t- filled to the rafters. Yes. 
And yes, Levi yes. Stadium, I mean, we have to close sections because we can't yeah. sell enough tickets. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. I mean, now I guess the one difference you could point out is the winner of the FEC game very likely going to the playoff. The Pac-12 game has very little meaning beyond just winning the conference. Still, that should mean something, and it doesn't to a, a big numbers at least. I mean, there will be a, you know plenty of fans from both schools there, but it is kind of um, sobering to think that that game between you know the team right there in the backyard of the stadium and a team that is you know an hour flight uh, can't fill up the stadium is uh, wow that's a tough break who do you got stanford usc i think usc um uh, you know i know usc beat them bad earlier this year and so there's always the feeling that is it is it hard to win a second time uh, to me the biggest the biggest advantage is that usc had that bye week and if this game was was for the playoff, that would be a huge story nationally. How does how is it fair that one team has a bye week before the title game and the other team doesn't? Nobody really cares because ultimately, you know, if the winner's going to go to the Fiesta Bowl and the loser's going to go to the Alamo Bowl and everything will move on. Um, but, boy, if USC needed this win to get in the playoff, people would be losing their minds over this. Although the flip side, if I was a USC fan and I was defending it, it's like, yeah, well, we had to play every week before now true agree so. they played 12 in a row yeah but but you know i think having that week to rest um you know and, and kind of you know get a little bit healthier rest up some bumps and bruises and i ultimately i just think usc is a little bit better um you know bryce love's been banged up he hasn't been the same since that mid-season injury still good but he's not able to consistently carry the load since then so i, I think usc um would shock me if stanford won you know i mean another we talked about it. We kind of got on a rant earlier this year about Stanford unexpectedly. I remember one week we were talking. Um, another solid season for them. Boy. I mean, you know, you, you write them off at one and two, and then they finish nine and three and they're in the Pac-12 title game. It's pretty impressive. Yep. Another good year from Shaw. And just keeping, yeah. just keeping that, you know, train rolling at Stanford. Yeah. And I think they found a quarterback. Uh, you know, I, I think this Costello kid is pretty good. I think he's a name that we'll, we'll know more about over the next two to three years. Um, Mike Norvell's got the Memphis Tigers in the American Athletic Conference Championship game against UCF. I haven't watched a minute of either of these teams play, but I'm going to pick Memphis because Mike Norvell coaches. I have. That could be a really good game. I watched UCF and USF last Friday, and one of the more entertaining games, I mean, I didn't watch it all. I can't say I sat and watched every minute, but, boy, what a what an exciting finish. I mean, UCF ties it, and then UCF returns the kickoff, and, um, UCF's got a good offense. So does Memphis. I watched Memphis play UCLA earlier in the year. Um, should be high scoring. You know, you, that could be for entertainment value alone, maybe the best game of Saturday. I mean, there'd be more games that are more meaningful. If you want to, you know, see the scoreboard light up and see two good offenses and two good young head coaches that could be, you know, bigger and better places in the near future. That's a good game to watch. Will these head coaches match up in the SEC next season? No, because Scott Frost is going to Nebraska, I think. I think that's all a done deal. I mean, I feel despite, like Despite all upon. of their protests to the contrary, that it's not a done deal? I do, yeah. I just I, the, the, the fact that there's been no rumblings out of Nebraska at all this week tells me they know Scott Frost is going there, and he's probably going to be going there as soon as Monday or Tuesday of next week. He wants to get through this game, and then he'll be the guy. I, I could be wrong. Just It's a total guess, but I just feel like the the match is too perfect. The fact Florida moved on from him very quickly, 
you know, they got spurned by Chelly and they didn't wait. I think Scott Frost let it be known that I'm going to Nebraska and, you know, go get your guy because I'm not coming. Fair enough. Who who do you like? I took Memphis. I'm going to take Central Florida. They're undefeated. Uh, you know, they, they crushed Memphis earlier in the year. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go with them. I, I hope they finish unbeaten and get to the bowl game and, uh, you know, uh, maybe, you know, they could get into the top ten. I mean, apparently nobody gives them any credit whatsoever. Uh, you know, but they, they've played a tough schedule. The Americans is a solid conference. The American, you know, deserves a little bit more respect. I'm on board with the, you know, people crying out for the American to get a little bit more respect than they're getting. Big 12 championship game, TCU-Oklahoma. I mean, I think Oklahoma. Uh, I just don't I just don't think TCU has the firepower to keep up with them. It's, it's a game that if they're going to win, they have to win it with defense. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, with how good off Oklahoma's offense is that you can hold them down to, you know, less than 28 points. And I don't know if TCU can score 28. Yeah, I'm going to take Oklahoma as well. I think Oklahoma punches their ticket as one of the four yeah. teams in the playoffs. Oh, if they if they win, they're in. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty, you know, if you want an 18 playoff, this weekend isn't far from that. I think the ACC and the SEC game are essentially quarterfinals. And I think Oklahoma is, is, you know, PCU isn't, but Oklahoma is essentially in a quarterfinal. They win, they're in. All right, well, let's talk about that ACC game. You got the number one Clemson Tigers against the number seven Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, what do you think? Give me your pick first. So I, I want to pick Miami. Because I yeah. picked Mark, I'm used to picking Mark Richt in these games and then having my heart broken. <laughs> yes, yes. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take Clemson no. to punch their ticket and get in. Me too. Me too. I, I think um, I think Miami's air of invincibility got punctured last week. Um, you know they had been winning a lot of games in ugly fashion. Um, they they took a loss. Um, now they you know one of their best receivers got hurt during practice this week. He's out for the season, I guess. And Clemson's just really good. I mean, what, what can you say about Clemson? What, I mean, they're not in yet, but unbelievable that they could lose the amount of talent that they did from last year and, and find themselves in this position back in the ACC title game, a win away from being the number one seed in the playoff again. Uh, you know, pretty impressive. Uh, there's there's not else you can say about it. Absolutely, and I actually think that's one of the reasons why Clemson's going to win. They are used to being in this position. Yes. They have yes, succeeded from here before. These guys who weren't, you know, starters last year, they've at least been through the atmosphere. They know what the media circus yeah. is like. They know what the field is like. They're, they're going to be ready. Um, yeah, and that defense so good. Uh, I mean, you know, like they, they've kind of remade themselves. They lost so much on offense. So they became a defensive-oriented team, and the offense does enough. And, uh, you know, it's just it's a remarkable – team this year for losing you know such great players at quarterback running back receiver tight end to you know be sitting here in the exact same spot they were last year is is it really impressive to me you've got oklahoma and clemson in i have oklahoma and clemson in big yeah. 10 title game the number four undefeated highest ranked unbeaten team wisconsin badgers yeah five and a half point underdogs to the ohio state buckeyes yeah yeah um i just don't trust Ohio State. I have I have wanted to this year several times, and 
I don't, I don't say wanted to. I'm not an Ohio State fan, but I've, I've kind of thought, okay, Ohio State's they've got it figured out. Well, then they, you know, lose to Iowa like they did, or they struggle with a, with an inferior Michigan team. I know it was on the road, but um, you know they didn't look great in that game. I'm picking Wisconsin, not because I think Wisconsin is the greatest team ever, but but I just don't trust Ohio State. I'm picking Wisconsin, and here's why: their last five games, shut out Minnesota. Allowed 10 points to Michigan, allowed 14 to Iowa, 17 to Indiana, 10 to Illinois. That defense is legit. And it is. And even it though is. Now, Hornet, it will be tested against a better offense yeah, than any of those teams you just listed. But I think. But I think they are firing on all cylinders, and I think Hornibrook yeah. will do enough um, and not turn the ball over, which has been his bugaboo and the team's it only has. offensive problem. But if he can not put the ball in jeopardy for one game, the Badgers yeah. are in the playoffs. So I'm taking the Badgers, yeah. and they are in the playoffs for me. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if they win, they will be in. I mean, I, I can't see them, you know, getting past. The, the big question would be is if Ohio State wins, do they get in, or does Alabama get in ahead of them? I think that's the, you know, that's the dream. If you're a you know talking head who's got to fill time between Saturday night and Sunday at, you know, noon eastern that's what you want because that gives you so many talking points if wisconsin and oklahoma win the the announcement of the four will just be about who plays who because i think it'll be pretty obvious it'll be the winner of those two the the two other games and wisconsin and oklahoma and there, there won't be much drama as to who's in and who's out unpopular opinion matt auburn doesn't deserve to be in with two losses given the number of teams well, that will have one or zero losses Auburn doesn't. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't agree. I mean, if they beat Georgia again, and I'm not sure they will, um, but you know, 11 and two, uh, having beaten what was the number one team at the time in, in week, you know, 10, the number one team at the time in week 12, and then Georgia again on what will essentially be uh, not Georgia's home field, but certainly a partisan Georgia crowd you expect in Atlanta. Um, yeah, I think they do deserve to be in. Uh, you know, I now I'll tell you, I'm picking Georgia. I think Georgia will win. I, I think the over. I think there was an overreaction that happened three weeks ago. That game wasn't as lopsided as it seemed. Georgia made a couple huge mistakes, and the game got away from them. But it wasn't dominated by Auburn like people have described it. I just I watched it. I don't feel like it was. I feel like Georgia let a couple big plays happened had a couple mistakes that gave Auburn touchdowns I mean Auburn's first two touchdowns came when after they punted and Georgia either had a roughing the punter or muffed the punt and it set up Auburn touchdowns that game wasn't that one-sided well I as I mentioned used to always take Richt and Georgia and I'm not taking Richt because he's broken my heart too many times but I'm not putting that on the Bulldogs and I'm going to take Georgia (laughs) to win uh yeah yeah I I just think I think there's a. I think first of all, it's tough if you're Auburn coming off the big win last week to have another game. I mean, just emotionally, can you be up another one? You know, and and I just I think Georgia's pretty darn good. They have dominated teams this year, and I think everybody's kind of forgotten about them because they lost that one game. But I think they'll win this game and get in. If Georgia wins, they have to go right. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I know they're six, but. If you beat the number two team, that jumps you up. And they would have a win over Alabama or over Auburn, which Alabama does not. To me, that's a no-brainer. 
Um, I mean, it, it'll probably, as I, as I said, you know, if Oklahoma and Wisconsin win, that'll probably be the point that, you know, we create a talking point. Well, did Georgia do enough to earn it? I don't know. Do you put it? Yeah, you put Georgia in. If they win the SEC, they deserve to go. 12-1 and SEC champ, you don't think twice. If Georgia wins a close but ugly game, and Ohio State wins a close but ugly game. Yeah. Do you think that there is any chance Alabama sneaks in over one of those teams? It would be Ohio State. I, I mean, I, to me, I, I just, like I said, I feel like the ACC and SEC games, the no, there's no even point in discussing like, you know, well, could the winner of that get left out? No, I don't see that. I mean, they're going to be 12-1. and one. They're going to be, you know, champions of very good conferences. That's easy. Now, Ohio State is the one you could make the argument because, you know, they they would have two losses. Um, they would have that blowout loss to Iowa, which you know doesn't get any prettier as time has gone by. Um, Iowa's a seven and five team, and they just blew their doors off. Uh, and and so that's the one that you could make the argument of. Well, okay, they won the Big Ten, but do they deserve it? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I would answer there. I. I guess I'd probably want to see how they looked in the Big Ten title game before determining that. I think that's fair. I I don't know. I think it'll feel weird if Saban's not in, but I'm struggling to find... It'll feel weird for me. I'll be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just... be okay with it. This is a little bit like when, you know, like Kobe Bryant, you know, retired or that year he got hurt, you know, at the start of the playoffs. Like, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, can, I can live with the playoffs without Kobe Bryant. I, I mean, I could live with the playoffs without Kobe Bryant either than I can live with the college football playoffs without Nick yeah. Saban. I mean, the, yeah. the man practically okay invented it. football. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I heard, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, so we've got, I think, essentially the same four. How would you seed them? I think I would seed them Clemson 1, Oklahoma, and Georgia in the 2-3, and Wisconsin 4. Um, well, that doesn't make for entertainment at all because that's exactly how I would see them. Okay, we're agreeing too much, I guess. All right, yeah. then I would see <laughs> then I would see Clemson one. I would see the unbeaten Badgers two, uh, okay. because they're unbeaten. So I'm going to go completely different. Yeah. Uh, they, okay, they okay. haven't they haven't lost, and if they can't get to number right. one, they deserve to at least be number two. Um, plus, I think it would be unfair to make them play Clemson after they were unbeaten. Yeah. Um. So after that, I would go Georgia still in the three spot and make Oklahoma four. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm going with what you said initially. I'll stick with that. Um, I'm just going uh, for, for I, variance. I'm I know. Just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like, I feel like if Clemson wins, they're going to stay number one, and they should. They, they, this group has been high on Clemson all year, and, and deservedly. I mean, Clemson, what's been more impressive than anything to me about them is how good they've been on the road. I mean, they have played good, solid teams on the road, it seems like, every other week. And they dominate those games. Like, they're not even challenged in most of those games. That's very impressive to me. Um, so I think they deserve it. I would put Oklahoma 2, even though I hate them. Uh, I mean, you know, if they if they do get through and they go 12-1. and one, And then I'd probably go Georgia 3. Ultimately, the 2-3 doesn't make any difference. But I'd have Oklahoma-Georgia in that 2-3 and then Wisconsin 4. I don't like that the Badgers would get no love as an undefeated team and have people probably still suggesting that they should be out for a second SEC team. I mean, it's, it's happened before that first year of the playoff, Florida state was the only unbeaten and they got seated three. 
Uh, you know, the, this this is not, you know, they've set the precedent that just being unbeaten doesn't mean everything. You know, they, they look at a lot of, you know, other factors besides just your number of losses. Yeah, true. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like it's where they would go because I think, quite honestly, they don't want that ACC-FCC matchup potentially in the semifinals. They're, they're you know... It's a TV show when it comes right down to it. And if you can set up Clemson against the SEC champ potentially in the final again, they'd be okay with that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to watch all these games play out. And we're going to watch to see if ASU actually hires Herm Edwards. Yes. Or if it's Kevin Sumlin. Or if it's Matt Story. Who, by the way, there Ray Anderson, be. call me. I, I will vouch for Matt's I... skills on Madden. And <laughs> that he knows the program very well. And he can speak I victory mean, as well as anyone. Uh, yes, I could. I could time. I could do time management. Like if Herm Edwards needs somebody to just be his clock management coach because he's you know been out of the game for a while, he should hire me because I feel like that I could do. I could recruit. There's no way I couldn't go in a kid's living room and promise him the world, but I could help him manage the clock. All right. Well, there you go. You're you're yeah. you're mandating the staff I'm, anyway. Let the boy. I'm submitting my <laughs> application right now as Herman Herm Edwards clock management consultant. Just, Let, you know, I feel put like me on the sideline. I'll even sit up in the press box if you want. I don't care, and you know I'll just be a direct line, and I'll say, you know, hey, uh, we need a we need a timeout right here because X Y Z. This makes sense in sense in the sense of time. I uh, I feel like the Hurley boy and father. Yes. Uh, let yes. <laughs> just let the boy manage the clock. All right. Yes. He's a I good would, boy. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I I'm good at math and I've watched enough football to get the clock and yeah, I can do that. I could absolutely do that. So uh, you know, if, if Matt gets that job, it'll probably dramatically impact how this podcast goes. But I'm comfortable with it. Uh, yeah, we'd have to just start talking about, you know, NFL, I guess. It'd be like the old days, but the opposite. Yeah. We couldn't talk college anymore. But, but uh, don't worry, I'm probably not getting that job. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, you know, let I'll be this here be... to still talk college football week in and week out. Let this be like Herm Edwards' media, you know, car wash. Matt, just start going on places. Go on Doug and Wolf. Talk to Doug Haller. <laughs> talk to, you know, everybody. Chris Cartman. Just get all of the people who are involved in ASU media to, you know, just say that you haven't reached, you know, you're not interested. Just give the generic, exactly, I'm not yeah. interested in the job. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, no one know, starts well, talking I mean, about you for a job sooner than when you're not interested. Until you say you're not interested. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just say, well, you know, Ray's a friend of mine and I owe it to him to talk to him about it. Yeah. I guess I mean, that gets you a job now. He did tell us to stick with him during week one. So. He did. He did. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Ray is testing us here with this news, but I will stick with him, um, and and we'll see. Yeah, hopefully that that uh, patience will pay off. So we'll be back. We'll talk about what happened with all these college football games, what the playoff means, where Todd Graham's grand finale will be in the bowl, and yes, uh, yes, you know everything else that happens. Until next time, he's Matt. Yeah. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>